Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to be Human. I'm your host, uh, poet, uh, author, playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. This is episode number 115. I'm going to call it Grumpy Grammar Grapefruit. Yes, this is time now to help make fun of those that, that use grammar almost as a, a bludgeon against writers, partly because of uh, uh, elitist assumptions or, or maybe just because uh, they're jealous or sometimes they just they kind of run out of control because run amok. All right, it doesn't mean that grammar is not necessary. We'll talk about that, of course. But it doesn't also mean that um, you're supposed to, uh, you know, throw something away because you missed a contraction or, or because maybe you did a little bit of a creative or poetic license on something, which you can do. You're a writer. You're supposed to be creative. It doesn't mean you cross all the rules of grammar out the window, but it also does mean, too, that you're not running over to the, you know, to the grammar program or, or, or to the English book. You know, to double, triple, and quadruple check every single thing that you do. Because you don't need to do that as well. And sometimes these grammar nuts, they uh, they even go as far as, as criticizing punctuation. You know, like I said, it, it gets a little, a little too far. Now, we're not going to use the word or the term grammar Nazi here because it's just used too often. You know, the word Nazi and everything. Soup Nazi, grammar Nazi, I don't know, bacon Nazi. It's just, it gets carried away, okay? There's no Nazis anymore out there, okay? They died off, uh, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, all right? I mean, anybody else is posing as one is just a poser. They're not real, all right? So why use that stupid term? Let's put that thing to rest. All right, grumpy grammar, uh, grapefruit, that's what we're going to call this show, and these are grumpy grammar people that we're going to be talking about. Now, let's look at this, okay? Now, there's some genuine examples that, you know, I, as an editor, because remember, I got to see grammar more than anybody else, which is funny because I'm not making all these gigantic complaints about it. So I don't know how some of these folks are, but we'll talk about that. One of the big things I see is the, the there versus there versus there debate, okay? And it's pretty clear and it's pretty simple, all right? All right. There, that means uh, T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. It's a contraction for they are, okay? This refers to something owned by a group, all right? That's all it is, all right? When you get there, that's T-H-E-I-R. That's something owned by a group, all right? And then you got there, T-H-E-R-E, and that refers to a place. See? So you got one for the contraction of they are. You got the other one that refers to a group, and the other other ones that refers to, to a place. Many a times, uh, your spell check is not going to collect, not going to really, uh, unless you somehow tragically misspell these things, you won't even pick that up. And I don't, I don't really, I really don't encourage people to use these grammarly, grammar type programs. I just don't like them. I mean, figure this out yourself, or maybe somebody else is proofreading for you, a beta reader or somebody, and and they'll catch it. Okay, but you know, folks, there's a million things to worry about when you're writing something. I happen to think grammar is not one of the biggest ones. I mean, unless, 
unless you're completely atrocious from the beginning to the end uh, on all kinds of points, including spelling and everything else. Most people, they're, they're trying to put things together, and there's some things that's going to that's gonna slip by. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't ruin your peace. It doesn't invalidate your creativity. Okay, it doesn't mean your talent is now flushed down the toilet bowl. So all of these folks get carried away. All right? Uh, it's versus it's. All right? It's is I-T-S. Okay? And then, of course, it's I-T apostrophe S, which, of course, is the contraction for it is. All right? It gets tripped up a lot, people, because it's actually a, a contraction. The other one is, is the possessive, okay? It's, all right? So unless you're saying it is, it's it's, okay? All right? It's going to bite me in the butt. Well, that's it, it, it is. Versus the dog has its tail between its leg. See? The dog possession, it's. You don't say the dog has it is tail between legs. See, so it's not hard to understand. It's it's pretty easy to follow. It's one of the more common ones that you see. But again, the ones I'm I'm bringing out to you, not only they're common, they, I mean, quite frankly, folks, if you're beating people up over this, it's not helpful. Even as an editor, I swear, unless unless I'm I'm reading a six-page essay, and I have to come across it's and, and all kinds of problems with it's and there. 48 times in this thing. I'm just going to correct it and move on. It's not even worth the note to the person. It's not even worth the email and the time. It's going to happen. It happens to everybody. All right? Uh, here's one that really can be a problem, and this is the one you have to be more careful with. Who versus that. Okay? All right? Now, who is really... You use it when you want to describe a person. Okay? Okay? Scooby-Doo. Okay? Is a dog that likes pizza. See? That's a person. Or, you know, animal. Same thing. You know, something living. Okay? Versus that. And that is really about an object. Okay? Alright? His car is the one that breaks down a lot. See? Car being an object, not a person. Sometimes they could be interchangeable. They don't really sound that well when you try to interchange them, so you should be able to pick it up. But sometimes you don't. You could be in a hurry, or you know, you might have a weird uh, regional accent like me, <laughs> and and it could be confusing, or you just you just didn't catch it. It happens. Easy fixable. Again, you, you're not going to have a million of those, but it is a, a, a common one. All right. Now this one is also a common one too, and this is the one you hear a lot from the grammar uh, nuts. All right, who versus whom versus whose versus whose, who's being W-H-O apostrophe S, okay? All right, now who is this to identify a living pronoun, okay? Who ate all those damn crackers? See who? That's a living, a living, living pronoun, all right? Okay. Next is... And this is, it's a little more catchy. you got to be more careful, okay? Okay? Whom? To whom is this email addressed to? You see? It's not to who is this email. You can tell, you can literally hear that you need to go further with, with the whom. Alright? Now, whose, it's really when you're assigning ownership to somebody, Okay? All right. 
Hey. Who's freaking half a tuna fish sandwiches on the floor here? Alright, so you're signing uh, some ownership there. Okay? Now, whose is really a contraction for who is? Alright? Who's living in this house? See, who is living in this house? It might be a little bit more involved to go into these things because there's four, literally four words that all sound pretty similar. All right? You might not catch all of these. Okay? But it doesn't suddenly qualify you as being illiterate. Okay? No, you don't have to go to some high university to figure out that you're going to make sometimes mistakes on these. So, just relax with that. And let these folks get under your skin. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about these grandma nuts, because believe me, they're definitely grandma nuts. All right, some of the some of the feelings behind some of this, I I feel, has to do with people who are just simply over academic. Okay, they don't know how to write creatively, they don't know how to write soulfully, they don't write with emotion because they're freaking academic robots. So everything now is about grammar. They catch one little thing. You can get a piece rejected. You can get a. Uh, I had someone one time catch me on something, and they literally wrote a paragraph of invective against me. You know, somehow I, you know, um, uh, pissed off the grandma gods up on high on the on the Mount Olympus, and uh, they're gonna you know rain down piss on my skull, you know, until I correct it. No other word about anything else with the piece. Just that. Almost like they had to find some reason to reject stuff. So let's use that as a reason. And it's not a reason. I say, as an editor, because remember, I'm an editor, okay? I'm an editor of Aerial Chart International Literary Journal. Been that way for four years now. Been the editor of other publications as well. But this one happens to be, you know, I'm the editor-in-chief in this one, the only one. And I say that I won't reject a person unless they have numerous of these type of grammar errors and numerous spelling errors. I really need to see a combination. Then I'm saying to myself, here's somebody that's not proofreading. Here's somebody that's not running through even a basic spell check. Here's somebody that's not letting somebody else check it out for them. That really is unprofessional and, and I dare say uh, a bit lazy. Okay? Yeah, I'm going to reject something like that. But guess what? I get hundreds, okay, hundreds of submissions every month thousands in a year, all right? I, I could probably count on my hand how many times that I've had to do this. More times than not, the grammar or the spelling uh, or just the simple the, the sentence fractures or, or, or fragmentation had to do with those who had a different language and English was a second or third language and they had some real issues putting that together. Maybe they needed some more professional help or maybe some needed some more, more guidance from somebody who's a, a stronger English writer or speaker. Okay, I still had to reject it. I sent a little note about that, but I wasn't going to be nasty about it. It's very rare that an English speaker themselves, uh, you know, a natural one born to that, has these issues. So I, it's extremely rare. I honestly don't even remember in four years how many people I might have rejected along those lines. It, it could literally be one or two. It's how few it's been. So if I'm not having any problem with this, with literally thousands of submissions every year, why are these folks? Again, this sort of elitism is what gives academia a bad name in literature. Because, unfortunately, the establishment wants to protect the establishment 
Which, guess what? The establishment moves every 20, 30 years as, as new things uh, become popular, new things become uh, genuine and legitimate and, and take the place of others. So it, it makes no sense to sort of, uh, you know, pulling up the ladder and, you know, closing the door behind you. It, to me, it's anti-literature and, and, and may, in many ways anti-English. You're certainly, certainly anti-teaching because you're not teaching anybody anything by being, by being nasty. And me, in many ways, almost being a, a, a kind of a, 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 like a grammar bigot, if there's a such thing. Because again, unless it's extensive, unless it's habitual throughout a piece, it's not really warranted to even talk about. It's just simply not. And to do otherwise, you know, it lends me to think that you have other intentions other than trying to help somebody get published, trying to help somebody improve themselves in their writing and everything else. Because that's what you're supposed to be as an editor and as a teacher. If you're not doing that, to me, you're not much of an editor or a teacher then. All right? Of course, then you have some folks that just like to be uh, nasty. It's just part of who they are. And, you know, you got to reject those people. Don't let them reject you. I'll write them back. Really? Um, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll fix that. And you can drop dead while you're at it. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to send you anything else anymore. Rush off my list. That's it. Fine. Bye. Folks, there's 10,000 or more publications out there. Some people you're going to have to tell drop dead. Because that's what they're telling you. Don't you think, okay, folks? Don't you think for a moment that you change a couple of contractions, you fix a, a one grammar thing, and then suddenly you're going to send it back to them. They're going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, thank you for noticing that. And uh, let me look at your piece now. No. They already have you uh, wanted dead or alive. It's more like wanted dead, okay? So it's not like you're going to get another chance. That was your chance, and you're dealing with an idiot, okay? So don't worry about it. Now, you got some of these punctuation police, and, and to me, they're even more idiotic, okay? So guess what? And yeah, you can quote me in this, and I don't care if you practice this. It doesn't bother me, okay? There's no rule under the sun when you're writing creatively that you must be using commas all the time. You don't have to. Oftentimes, especially... In the limited confines of, of a poem, it's not necessary to use a comma to, to put a sentence back to, together. It's okay to run on it. They, they, they need to be able to, you know, to read it in the way that you wrote it. So it's not truly really necessary. It's not necessary even to, get to, uh, to use a semicolon. It's not necessary at all for a period. A lot of the things are not necessary. Heck, the only thing I really think punctuation is necessary for is when you're, you're, you're truly using the contraction in the right way. Then you need to use the I-T apostrophe S or, or W-O apostrophe S, W-H-O apostrophe S. I mean, you got to use it then for sure. You got to have that thing because then you don't have a, a contraction. There's no such thing as a W-H-O-S. There, there, there is no such word. And of course, if you use it's in the wrong way, that's kind of silly too. Without the apostrophe when it's necessary. Other than that, there's no real reason for it, you know. I, I, I say many a times you can do uh, what looks like a question inside a poem or, or something else and leave off the question mark. You don't even have to have it if you don't want to. It, sometimes it makes more of a glaring point. I mean, if you do it too often, it looks kind of stupid, though. So don't. But if you're going to use it one time, I think it, it can make a good point. You know, you can make it almost like a... a, a, a a rhetorical question on top of that, and that's just a regular question. So why not? 
is not necessary, okay, to be absolutely perfect with grammar. And it's not necessary absolutely be to be always using punctuation. I said I think punctuation in many ways has a, a, a limited use in, in a lot of uh, a lot a lot of poetry and even a lot of songs when you're writing songwriting. I think punctuation becomes more important when you're writing when you're writing nonfiction. I mean, quite frankly, I'm expecting after a paragraph, you know. At least a paragraph, you know, a period. I really am. I'm expecting, you know, the beginning of a sentence to be having one capital letter. Some people have tried without it. It looks kind of weird. I'm not saying you can't do it, but, you know, it, it could hurt yourself on that. So, in more nonfiction, the basic punctuation probably is necessary. Where you get into much more creative forms like poetry i'm telling you you can literally write poems all day long without a single piece of punctuation unless you're using a contraction in there and you wouldn't miss a beat you shouldn't be criticized you shouldn't be ruled out you shouldn't be singled out you shouldn't be called out i know i like saying all those because it sounds kind of fun <laughs> but really it, it, it's just wrong to do so i, I think it, it's too nitpicky all right and it definitely is in my opinion too negative. There is enough on writers to say about their writing that you don't have to go this far to really hurt people and, and cause them to scratch their head. Is the piece going in the direction you think it should be going? Does it does it leave and deposit a, a relevant point? Does it have a, a sense of, of humor or does it have a, a serious uh, you know weight of gravity on it? Is it illuminating something that wasn't illuminated before? Okay. Can you go into the night and have a little bit more light because of this piece? If it's doing all that, I just don't see how, you know, um, a punctuation point someplace is going to make that any more, more relevant, any more, any more forceful, any 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 more full of of, of thought and, and clarity and, and and gravity. How does it? It really doesn't. And this is so much you could talk about writing rather than mention that app. Because I really think, in many ways, it's more demoralizing for a writer when they hear this kind of nonsense. Because it's one thing to say, uh, yo, dude, man, this, this poem, it, it just doesn't reach me. That third line, I'm not really sure where the hell that went. Second line's pretty tight. Last line, nice, that's a pretty good ending. But if you lost me over here, what the hell's the point of a good ending then? You need to go back and fix that. Try to make it all more consistent. That, to me... Good constructive criticism. That's something that somebody can hang their hat on to use, maybe. Versus, you don't mention one damn thing about the poem other than, yeah, should have had a comma over here, and what the hell is this punctuation over there, and why didn't you capitalize this? And to me, that's demoralizing. You almost tell somebody that they can't even figure write English, let alone write something creatively in English. What the hell is the point of that? Huh? Are you, are you trying to hurt people? Huh? You trying to step on their friggin' testicles? When they're trying to walk down the block, hmm? You trying to punch somebody in the face? When they're trying to put on the best face? Come on. Because that's what you do when you do that. So I'm always very much been against that. This whole grandma nuttiness. It's just, to me, it is a bunch of grapefruit. You eat a piece of grapefruit and you, you squinch in your face and you put on a sour puss like, Oh, what the hell was that? Oh, that's what grumpy grandma grapefruit is. It's more grumpiness, okay? 
than it is anything that's constructive or helpful to a person. And, and just don't let it. Don't let it harm you and don't let it really reach you. Now understand this, okay? When I say all this and I'm given some room and I'm given license, I've given very clear examples here. I'm not telling people don't go around and obey no rules of grammar or punctuation as long as you write. No one's saying that here. And there will be times when you deserve to get called out because you can't go too far. You don't want to go too far. You still have to obey some basic rules. I'm just saying that you don't have to listen to every single one of them and somehow believe that if you don't, you know, that that's the end of your writing or the end of that piece. So that's the end of all you could do creatively because it's not. You're going to have plenty of examples of, of good stuff, including very much the piece you got probably rejected for that. So don't do that. If any editors listening, try to reconsider going too far on this, okay? If you really feel, for some, I don't know, principle's sake, that you have to mention it, try to mention it in a way that doesn't make you make you sound like some kind of friggin' spinster and try to make sure like the person is not a criminal. Point it out and move on, you know? I've known a few people that pointed it out and still accepted the piece. Hey, listen, you got two spellings here I don't like and two contraction issues or punctuation things and uh, or, or grammar things. Can you fix all this? Return it to us. We'd like to accept this piece on that condition. There's really nothing wrong with that. You learn something, you move on. That's fine. To me, I mean, it's just better off to accept something if it's only a, a minor amount and, and not even not even mention of it. Big deal. It's not the end of the world. But if that's how you want to do it as an editor, there's nothing wrong with that either. There really isn't. But be thoughtful. Okay? Be be sensitive to a certain extent. I mean, we still have to be, you know, editors. And we still have to, uh, you know, be rough and tumble on sometimes on things. There's no way around that. You can't be so sensitive that you're accepting everything you're saying. And you're letting everything go by. I'm not saying this at all. I'm saying, but there has to be. There has to be some conditions, and, and you got to be able to have some things that are relevant versus other things that are not. You know, yes, you got to draw lines on certain things. I agree. So I'm not telling people to go hog wild because that's not the message here at all. I've been, I've been pretty darn clear on that. Okay? Now keep this in mind. Every time you submit to an academic publication, these are the things you're, you're facing. Uh, you're facing people who, who who want to take a microscope to punctuation, okay? They want to pull up the English grammar book from, from friggin' Shakespeare's days to look at every little tiny thing, all right? Half the times, whether they want to admit it or not, they're looking at your bio. See if you've got anybody, you know, that they feel, oh, this, maybe this will be a tiebreaker for me, or maybe this will show that they're worth it, because half times they don't even know what the hell they're doing, okay? And I'm, I'm always bothered. And you guys can get mad at me all day long. Don't care. Okay? But I'm bothered as an editor that we got folks out there that, as editors, they're not exactly great writers themselves, but somehow they're judging other writing. Or even my writing. You know? You want to judge me? That's cool. Impress me first. Alright? You want to teach me how to ball dance? Well, I want to see the how the hell, hell you're doing, Val, first. Alright? That's right. You're going to teach me how to play the jazz guitar? Well, you better be throwing the hell down right in front of me there. I'm sorry. That's how I have to look at things. Because that's the kind of world we live in right now. Show me the money. 
like Cuba Gooden said in the, that uh, that football movie. Show me the money. That's what we have to do these days, unfortunately, because people are always uh, talking a game and then they don't produce anything. So, you know, you're going to be an editor of something, show me something. And I'll tell you something right now, from my experience of a lot of editors sending me stuff, I haven't found out the case. I, I find them violating their own rules of grammar, violating all kinds of things in punctuation, violating just not being good and interesting writers, and then even violating how they how they submit their bios. Oftentimes not even submitting them at all, or not even submitting, you know, credit works in there. You know, the bio is, uh, I'm the editor of Scooby-Doo University, and I'm the chair of uh, Billy Bob uh, Thornton English Group or some crap. I mean... Yeah, who, who cares? That doesn't mean anything to me. Where have you been published? Can I check out your work on the sites? Can I check your work on the internet? Can I see what the hell you've been doing? Yeah, you're not always going to get that chance. But to me, that's how I wonder. That's why you can't take these rejections, especially from the academic sources, very seriously. There's so much there to suspect. Can they write? How much do they write? Where have they been published? What do they what do they know? What do they care? Are they there to help and instruct writers or are they there just to be gatekeepers because they, they think that their subsidized rag is more important than anybody else's? Remember, these things are subsidized by the university. Okay? Whatever money they draw from subscriptions and, and, and contributor copies and everything, it's minuscule to what it needs that for them to produce that sort of thing. So in many ways it gives them I think more room to be unfair and, and, and unkind. And, and you're, you're going to get a lot of that. I know it's not the greatest thing to have to hear, but that's the experience you're going to face. So when you do that, just keep in mind that that's, that's a real possibility. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't send. You're going to have editors out there that don't comply to what I'm talking about. You have others editors out there that, you know, they might be in the learning stages of, of trying to be a fairer. And more open-minded. And maybe you'll catch them on that day. Or that week. Or that month or whatever. So I'm never saying take them out of your rotation. I'm just saying don't don't, don't bank on you know anything great is going to come out of it. Because you have a better chance with the, the truly literary ma magazines that are independent. Or even the ones that have certain themes. You have a better chance with those. Okay. Now as writers folks. Lots of times. And I'm not using this as an excuse because that this happened to me too. You're going to realize this too. Many a times, the problems that we may face with punctuation or even with, with, with bad spelling is has to do with just simply typing. And the typos that we just didn't catch later on because oftentimes we can go over a line or, or a paragraph over and over again to where we kind of like personally memorize it. And then we just sort of read or see what we memorized versus what was really there. That's oftentimes how these things happen. I don't find a lot of writers are bad spellers in general. They tend to be more educated people. They tend to be more read people. They easily know what the hell's going on. There really isn't too many that are not. So remember, the mistakes that you're making, okay, they're not mistakes of an amateur. They're not mistakes of a bonehead. They're certainly not mistakes of somebody who doesn't give a crap, okay? Then the mistakes are of careless typos. I don't see how condemning a person for a careless typo is supposed to be the, the height you know, uh, of English uh, definition. Because it's not. To me, it's, it's the depths of, of being dumb. Okay? 
It's like being a basement dweller, but I'm at a Harvard. You know, I'm expecting to be better than that. Okay? I'm expecting a higher standard, especially for you academic folks. And it's just, it's really appalling on how few ever meet that. When they should. They should be able to tell me something new. Something interesting. Something instructive. Something enlightening. Something encouraging for God Almighty. How about that? Well, you're not allowed to do that? Hmm? You can't have any emotion, any feeling? You can't give a damn for somebody out there trying to do something? Come on. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what that title and, 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 and allows you to do. And quite frankly, what I really think is that what it makes you do if, if you let it. Be helpful, not harmful. Be instructive, not destructive. Be insightful, not spiteful. I know, I'm having fun with some rhymes here, okay? But really, if you would be that way, we would have less of these issues. Probably wouldn't even need uh, this show. I mean, this episode, not this show in general. This show is good for literary stuff out there. I wish more uh, shows would come out there and do things. I mean, right now we have a lot of people, and I don't mind mentioning this, that suddenly have become, you know, podcasting. I don't know. Maybe they think this is an easy thing. But like anything... You know, you got to have dedication. you got to have a bunch of content. you got to say things that are relevant and useful. And, you know, certainly I, I feel positive. And, and you got to have some measure of a personality. If you don't, it's going to be hard to get anything done. I, I happen to think that you could be a decent academic editor and you don't have to have much of a personality because you, you're not communicating them through maybe, you know, letter or email. So you can be dry and, and still be useful and, 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 and decent. You know, and, and, and certainly encouraging. But, of course, on a podcast, it's not the same thing. You can't be boring and dry. You just won't last long. Remember, the average show lasts eight episodes. That's still ca- still the case, even after a couple of years. That's that's simply the, the general rule to all of that. So, it's very important when you encounter writers, whether they're on this show or, you know, in your in your journal, even if you're reviewing their book, Okay, that you do whatever you can to search for the for the positive thing that you can say. To find the merit. Even if there's a bunch of mess in front of you. And I'm not suggesting here that you because you found some merit in a mess, this now means you can accept it. If it's a mess, it's a mess. But why come back with something nasty when you could say, this worked here. This didn't work over here. Why don't you revisit that, okay? Why don't you rewrite that? Look at this in another way. And come back to me in, in, in another month and see what we got. I cannot tell you how many times I've done this and how many times people have come back much better and I accepted the piece. I'm sad to say there's plenty of people that we never heard from again. That's too bad. Because they're going to send something out there, probably get rejected 20 times if you just listen to my advice. But hey. All you could do, you know, uh, as an editor, uh, I feel, is, is to be honest and, and to be human. It's why I call this show Strength to be Human. It's part of the philosophy. The philosophy of really thinking for yourself. And, and taking action when so many people won't. We still live, and it's just sad, in, in, a, in a society right now, on the 21st century, where we're, we're the most free. 
And we still, in society where too many people don't want to take action for anything. Don't want to raise their hand. Don't want to be singled out. Don't want to speak up. Don't want to stand up. I don't know how. They, somehow they want a fair world, but they won't point out iniquity. Mm -hmm. They want a kind world, but they won't jump down on, on, on the evil person and, and stop them. Help them get stopped. Hmm? They want a world free of prejudice, but uh, they can still be prejudiced to the things they feel it's okay. You know me. Do you know many African Americans I know of that, you know, want a racist-free world, but then they also cling on to certain prejudices themselves? Not helpful, folks. Prejudice-free world means that it means that you're not out there ridiculing somebody because they're gay. Okay, or making uh, funny sounds because somebody's Asian. Oh, even more recently, Mark, I, I don't want to go to that Chinese restaurant, man, because of the coronavirus. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, she don't want to go down to Mindy Lou's place. Who's, she's been here 30 years, and her family, literally, this is the third generation. Somehow, um, a family that hasn't been to China in about 15 years, uh, somehow they're transmitting the coronavirus, I don't know, through the friggin' modem into their restaurant, and now your orange number five chicken has coronavirus? How stupid does this sound? So, let's keep this in mind, folks. Sometimes our own narrow viewpoints encourage various forms of prejudice, okay? All right, so you can't, you, you can't be somebody that's, you know, pro-black, but then you're out there uh, bigoted against gay people. You can't be pro-gay and then have problems with Latins. Folks, it has to be across the board. There's no one thing you can't be uh, about. It makes no sense. And sometimes I see it in writing, too. So, now, and that I always point out on. Like I was mentioning in the past, and I mentioned on this show, too, there is more of a likelihood that people will get rejected from aerial chart for the idiotic content they have in their, in their piece more than punctuation or grammar. Some things that literally border on bigotry, or some things that are just simply... In poor taste. You know, every other, you know, reference to a, a girl is something negative or something uh, profane or, you know, they're hookers or something. I mean, what the hell's that? You know, I've read some pieces that the writing was really good, but I'm like, how the hell can I publish this? I mean, I have 10,000 women, including uh, my own wife, beating the hell out of me, and rightfully so. What the hell's wrong with you? I mean, are you in the cave? What are you doing? You just stick out a dish now and then to shoot up the signal to me and go back in it? Where the hell have you been? So, more times than not, it's about where our heart is and sometimes even where our head is. So, folks, try to keep that in mind, okay? Take grammar. Take punctuation. Yeah. Take it seriously, but don't take it fanatically, okay? Don't take it lightly, but don't... Don't lose your mind over it every time. You know? I cannot tell you how many people have sent me like a poem just to, just to check out. They wasn't even trying to uh, get published there because maybe they were published in error chart already. Hey, Mark, what do you think about this this word here or this punctuation there? I'm okay with that. Sometimes that's necessary to get and, and, and to ask you know, some, some other advice on, but you can't get hung on it every single time. You really can't. Not only is it a, a, a profound waste of time, but you stop being profound because you're worried about a comma. 
All right, worried about your conscience, okay? <laughs> worried about communication, because those are the two things that writing should be about in one form or another, not about a comma. All right, folks, until next time, God bless. It's Mark Anthony Rossi, Chef to Be Human, episode 115, Grumpy Grammar Grapefruit. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com.